right. Today we're going to be talking about I love you and why I disagree with you. <laughs> I disagree. No, I just think. You know, I'm the old one. I should be the one who's like yeah. cynical and like I don't believe true. in love and love. So- and you're like, you're I just, too young to be like. Yeah, it's true. I don't believe in love. Love. It's true. I'm jaded. <laughs> I'm I'm young in age, but old in partners. <laughs> I I love love. I I'm in love with love and I love being in love and I love everything about love. Love is the reason for yeah, the season. That's for every great. season. And and <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm just like, the good for you. No, I just I just I think what we're gonna be talking about today is basically my question my question is when is too soon? How do you know you're in love? you know, have you ever regretted it? And I just have this feeling like I've been pressured into it and I've said it for all the wrong reasons. And I'm just like, I just don't think you could possibly be in love with someone in like two months. But people came at me and they're like, you're wrong. You're wrong. As Donald Trump would say, wrong. Wrong. So I'm going to play our jingle and then let's get it. (laughs) Let's, Let's do it. Take some deep breaths. Get it off your chest. I'm blessed, stressed, or happy. Offload. I love our jingle. This is our so jingle cool. is the best. I listen to it in the shower. I listen to it in the car. <laughs> you listen to it masturbating, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, whatever gets you there. Whatever gets you off, you know? I love it. Okay, Sylvie, I'm going to start with you. My question yes. for you right now is... That's not the right one. Oh, Okay, what is your what is your average time frame to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship? I say I love you really fast. Like like I get Cupid's arrow syndrome, so like I fall in love just by looking at someone like on the bus. Like I'll look at someone and then I'll feel like the arrow pierces my heart and like inside like fireworks will go off and then like there'll be angels singing and then I'll be like, I love, I know I love them. I know I love that person and they don't even know me, but that's okay. Cause I feel, I feel it. And then I'll be like super creepy and like try and like figure out their name and stuff and where they live. And then, <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> try and like you know get into a relationship with that person and then and then I'm just like waiting for the right moment to spring on them that I've loved them since the first minute that I saw them and yeah you know what it's typically not well received (laughs) I'm I'm speechless right now I'm I'm speechless I'm really not sure what's going on here Okay. All right. You know, so how do you know thing. though? It's not anything for me. What? I, before this show, like I, I was just telling you, like I was like, oh, love. Let's let's see what I can find in in my drawer. So I went through my drawer and I found my diary from when I was fourteen. 
Well, I wrote, I wrote some seriously shitty emo poems. Like, poems? Poems is like a, a vague word. Anyway, um, they were bad, but, but there's, there's many um, explanations of how I felt love as a 14-year-old, and I can't say that I've evolved much since then. So oh, would, you like, would you like an example? I don't think I a, have a choice. 14-year-old. 14 <laughs> Look, I highlighted, I highlighted stuff, and I drew a little heart down it. It's, it's awful. Okay, Fuck. this is me. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. Soul. Like it's Ugh. very embarrassing. So I'm hoping that like whoever's watching this is gonna like fall in love with you. Yeah, fall in love with my 14 year old self. Like heal my inner child, please. Okay. Um, I love you. I've never felt so strongly. I feel like explosions of joy are going off in my heart. I feel so light, like air. Uh, I just watch you and wish I could hold you to me. I can't describe my love for you. Words are not adequate. Joy is not high enough. Pain is not deep enough. You are my soul. You are my ray of light. My sunbeam with the sexy eyes. Fire burns me all day long and I feel so hot thinking of you. My heart beats to the sound of your name. I see only you when I close my eyes. Tears well up when I try and think of how deep my love is for you. This is a love unparalleled, unequal, and infinite. My eyes can't leave your face and body and all I can do is stare. My angel, take me to your seventh heaven. Just look at me with those eyes and kiss me. <laughs> Oh my god. I want you and love you and I can't spend a second away from you without feeling low. More beautiful than a drop of dew on fresh grass. <laughs> Sylvie! <laughs> and your voice sounds sweeter to me than birds singing. I can't stand the pain of being away from you. Like a feeling of emptiness all hollow in my chest, all sick and heavy feeling of loneliness in my stomach. And my heart hurts. And all I can think of is you, and I go through moments that we had together today again and again, and I love you so much. And if my tears choke me anymore, I'll drown. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop now, because... <laughs> anyway, I... I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> There's so much to unpack in that. Okay, wow. All right, and that you were okay. And so not much has changed. I'm pretty chill in general. Like, chill when it comes to love, as you can see. Yeah, right. Okay, so folks, that'll give you an idea of who we're dealing with. And we've got someone who obviously has some issues. Uh, and then you have someone like me who has issues, but on the other end of the spectrum. So we don't really have anyone in the between, and I think that's fabulous. You know what? My friend Seven says that I am Sorry. heart forward. Sorry, my friend. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> what did you just say? I said my friend Seven. Their name is Seven. Seven. Um, All right. Yes. <laughs> okay. And my friend Seven says that I'm heart forward, which is super nice of them. It's super kind because yeah. it sounds a fuck ton better than saying, "Dude, you are super codependent and you lack boundaries and you're borderline obsessive owing to your anxious attachment style and your fear of abandonment." Right. So I am very grateful to Seven. Thank you, Seven for saying that I'm heart forward. Yes, I am heart forward. And I love fucking hard all the time. And all I have right. done ever since I was a kid. Okay, but can we just go Why do the... you not love hard, Nell? I'm just Why not... are you so cynical about love? I, well, first of all, I'd still <laughs> like to get the the question answered, which was how do you even know you're in love? Because we still haven't addressed that. <laughs> it's like- You're just like, I fell in love with someone on the bus. 
But how do you know? How did James Blunt know when he wrote that song about that girl he saw on the, oh, the bus? Oh, you know what? Fucking fair enough. All right. You're going to bring James Blunt into this? Fucking fair enough. Okay. I stand corrected. One, zero. Okay. <laughs> how, how does, like, there are so many songs out there about people who like see people and instantly fall in love. I think maybe that's like a genetic thing. Maybe some people just do and some people just don't. All right. Do you not believe in love at first sight? I believe in like a soul connection where you're like, oh, sight. yeah. I'm like, oh, we've shared like a past life or something about you. There's a connection. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not like, yeah, I love this person. Did you feel that about me when we first met? Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fine. No, me neither. <laughs> This is fabulous. I'm, I'm sad. No, <laughs> no, you shouldn't be sad. It's it's not a you thing. It's really just me and my. It's not you. It's me. Is what you're saying. <laughs> I, that before. I didn't mean to say that. I it was it was an accident. I didn't mean to say it, it wasn't on purpose. Oh my god. Okay. All right. So you don't know what it is when you feel love. Okay. Fair enough. It's just an explosion of everything. Like it just feels like everything clicks into place. But don't like you? Everything is. Don't you feel like you need to have some time to know, like, who they are, you know? No, because then it wears off. <laughs> yeah. I see, I see. So would it, be, would, it be, would it be accurate to say you don't love them then? No. Because, hang on, what even is love? What is, what is love? I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah. Like, there's different kinds of love for different... Like, I think it's really weird that we label something love and then and then we have, like, all different kinds of it. Like, I love my children. I have two children. And, I'm, I mean, I'm no, hopefully no one's going to argue that I love my children. I, I love them, but I do not feel about them the same way that I feel about romantic partnerships. And yet that is also called love. Right. And I have friends who who like I would like literally if any if any of them picked up the phone and was like I need you like I would book a flight and be right there like I love yeah. them enough that I would do that um but that's also a very different kind of love it's like can't compare that to the love I have for my, my children or for my parents or for my um you know husband or for lovers that I have like you can't compare any of those kinds of love yeah, but we label it love yeah it's all under one category yeah you're you're right and I think yeah for when I talk about Love for me, it's more so like um, I'm, I think about romantic partner. So like for me, my definition of love for everyone, if I truly love them, would be that I, if hypothetically, I know some people don't like this and we were chatting about this, but hypothetically, if I were in a situation with the other person and there was someone who was like, you only have a choice, like you have one choice. Either you survive and this person dies, or you you die and this so that this person can survive. Because I I'm studying criminology, so I have a weird sense of. Um, so people have to die. Well, it's <laughs> not that you have to die. It's just like I put in order to best accurately portray what love is to me. I try to put it into like a really intense, severe example. Nelson's love life is like Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
No, <laughs> it's well, the red yeah. wedding. If you're gonna get involved with Nell, someone's gonna die. <laughs> Listen, listen. No one's gonna die if you're involved with me. I just want to make that very clear. Um, uh, but so, but in her head. But in my head, yeah, in my head, like with every single person that I've meant it when I've said I love you, not the times I felt pressured and just said it. I was like, would I be willing to risk my life for you if something happened? And that's how I know that I like truly love a person that they're like basically absorbed into who I am as a person. So that's my, those are my thoughts. Now I was telling my aunt and she said, she thought that was so bizarre and that she just would never do that. She would never go to those extremes. And I said, well, would you die for me? She's like, I just can't really answer that question. (laughs) And I'm like, so you don't love me. And she made a really good point. She said, that's your definition but someone else coming into a relationship will have a different definition. So they may not be willing to put their life on the lines for you, but they love you because they have a different definition. But it's my definition. I think it's the right definition. <laughs> I mean, putting your life on it. Like, so I guess it depends on what you value, right? So I was in the army and I put my life on the line for my country. And I have to say that I, oh, I did love my country. I would probably say that the first real love of my life if we're not counting my cheesy 14 year old poetry here um i would probably say that the real first love of my life was my country and when i was in the army i had a very um real sense of the fact that i could die and i almost did several times for my country and um and i was happy to do it because I was like, yes, this means so much to me that it means more than my actual life. So I do, I don't think it's weird at all that you put love in like those kind of extremes of like, is my life more important than this or not? Like, because that is also, I think a little bit about like, that's the extremes to that I would take it as well. Mm. But for me, like I try and not think about people I love being killed, but like I would definitely... I would definitely put myself in the line of fire for things that that mattered to me and my country really mattered to me obviously my children really mattered to me my husband really matters to me but yeah. if it but again like would I if it was a choice between my life or his, his life like no we have children I have responsibilities like I I hope that we would never have to come to that choice but like no I wouldn't die cuz like well, I have No a, I'm not saying you have to pick one over the other I'm just saying that it's just about I would you. have to die for some of my friends. Yeah, I would. Right. And I, like, would, I would too. I would too. And that's I'd how probably I would give it like a huge amount of like thought where I'd be weighing the pros and cons. Like, you know, like those decisions are like yeah, in the moment split. decisions where yeah. it's like, you know, there's a truck coming and you have to like shove someone out the way. Like, you're not like, mm, I don't know. Should, like, you're just like, you're just doing something. I right. Mean, in my mind, basically, I don't know where this stems from, but in my mind, I'm on, it's kind of like, you know, the show Survivor or Fear Factor where you're like on pillars in the water and there's yeah. just two of you and you're facing someone. They're like, someone's going to have to die. Which one's going to I've be? imagined that scenario. Like, you're not weird. Healthy. I've imagined that. Let me just say, though, I think it's really healthy. Like, the reason why I do think those thoughts is I had like a very intense fear of death when I was a child and my dad put me through a little situation where he had me close my eyes and imagine someone I loved dying. And then the entire grieving process and what that felt like 
and the things I did and what the funeral was like and what I missed and then a few years later and I went through this whole mourning process for a person and because I got to have a glimpse of what that all felt like for some reason it just felt more familiar and so now I'm not afraid of death so I I think I I do that with everyone like I do that with my mom and I'll like go into her room when she's out grocery shopping and I'm down in my hometown visiting and sometimes if I'm I'm really not okay with my mom because we have a strained relationship I'll go into her bedroom and I'll I'll pretend like the house is mine I have to sell it she's died and then I'll cry and then she comes back home and I'm like I love you I'm so sorry and so yeah, I think that's just the extre- the extremeness I go to. So I I know for sure cuz I take I take love really seriously because I've sacrificed it so much. Like I've sacrificed saying it even though I didn't mean it because other people were I think the act of just saying it is a pressure in itself. Not that it's a bad pressure, but I've I've sacrificed my needs so much that I've been like no, from now on, I have to really decide what what is love and what's not and not cross that boundary. But a lot of people are really healthy about love, which is really nice. <laughs> I mean, what you just said about, you know, going through the whole grieving process and realizing that life is like finite and fragile and being really afraid of death. Like I'm also deathly afraid of death. Like it's it's my driving force in life is is how afraid of death I actually am. Really? And so that's why I think I'm so heart forward and why I actually will never waste an opportunity to tell someone I love them because I've seen how life can just end like that and how people you love can just be like ripped away from you from one minute to the next. And I think my thought process behind it is, so what if you tell someone you love them and then a few months down the line or a year down the line or whatever you don't anymore so what like what what did you actually lose like in the moment you felt something and it was strong and you let someone know how you feel about them in that moment does that moment have to like persist and last forever like no mm-hmm. um but it's like when you tell someone like you're my best friend like is that person gonna be your best friend forever maybe not like people grow apart but it doesn't mean that you didn't feel it in that moment that wasn't real when you said it and I think right. It's important for people to know how you feel in that moment with them. And I would want to know if someone had like those intense feelings for me, even if it just lasted for like a minute, even if they just loved me for one minute, I would want to know. That okay, well, where me. is this coming from? Because I'm like a hard edged asshole because of some daddy issues. And you mentioned you have some mommy issues. So like, yeah. it's funny because we are truly, it sounds like we're coming from two ends of the spectrum where I'm like, don't fucking love me no matter what. And you're like, just love me for the tiniest moment. Me. Where is that coming from? Where does that come from for Sylvie? I think it's probably true that I didn't hear it enough growing up that I, I didn't hear, I love you. You're amazing. You're the best. Uh, Sylvie. Like I didn't. Um, and I was nobody's best friend and I was nobody's chosen person. Like, yeah, I just wasn't. And I craved it. I wanted someone to choose me so bad and to like, to love me. And like, again, like, I think it's probably a driving factor of why I went to the army and why I was like willing to sacrifice myself for my country and everything else. It was like, like, fine. Like my country can't reject me. Like, like everyone else in my life can. 
my country is not gonna not love me back because I'm just gonna imagine how much my country loves me and how much wow. my country's given me because I can just project everything onto this like huge thing that that has no ability to tell me whether it loves me or not whereas people can be like hey I don't love you Sylvie bye and that hurts and I don't like it <laughs> wow oh my gosh okay yeah. I just uh, want people to love me I can't yeah. like in my whole life I even like why am I doing this podcast? I just want people to love me. <laughs> Please love me. Please subscribe and love us right now. <laughs> subscribe and like so that we feel loved and validated. That's Thank you. so funny. But, uh, but it is, it's really important to know where that comes from because someone yeah. commented when I asked yesterday on stories, by the way, follow me on Nella Pleasure Coach and follow, <laughs> follow Sylvie at Sex and Sensibility and sex is, the E is the three. Um, like S- 3x that was my adhd so uh (laughs) you're like yeah okay fuck off um (laughs) someone someone posted uh like a response when i said like what how do you know when you're in love and someone's like why does it matter like why are you overthinking this and i was like bitch (laughs) what do you mean why am i overthinking this you you should overthink these things that's that's my that's my my reaction like right away that's that's what I want to be like what the hell like as someone who likes to dive deep and pontificate about things you know I think that's just a reality of coaches but um I think it's really important like the fact that you know where that stems from already just gives so much power uh and I don't think like the people at least I've been dating have been very aware of it and Maybe maybe they're they're not the jaded ones. Maybe they're they're not the ones that are damaged right now. Maybe it's just me, because I damaged now. No, no. Like I know you. I know your views around like these words like toxic and damaged and stuff like that. But I'm gonna use it for myself because I don't think I'm damaged, but I definitely have been damaged. Like aspects of my life have you know been hurt, as all of us. But all of my issues. I would say, like, stem from this lack of father figure. My mom was there constantly, though she has her own issues. My dad, like, lives in Africa. My parents chose to conceive me, so I was not an accident. Chose to conceive me, and then my parents got divorced when I was two. My mom left for Canada, and my dad stayed in Africa. And he literally chose to stay there time and time again. And we've had so many issues where I've never been chosen by him. His his second wife has been chosen consistently time and time again. And I'm just here. I put myself on the back burner. I'm always on simmer for my dad because he's already got enough shit with my stepmom and her health condition conditions so I'm just like here like I'll be here like being a good girl when you and you'll love me and and one day you'll choose me and it's always me chasing him so that has shown up time and time and again in relationships where I have like I've been the one to pursue relationships I make it work because I that's what I know from the role of a man and so I think I've gotten so used to being like, love me, love me. I want to be loved. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And it never happened. And so I think I can see like the similarities between you and myself, but we just went different ways with it. And I went 
veered off to the left and and was I, I decided to, OK, I'll put barriers up to make sure that I'm never in this situation again because I'm permanently in a cycle like that with my own father. So I can't have that with another man. Now, I'd like to start dating women. I don't know what that's going to be like and how that's going to show up. But I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I you're going to hear I love you so much faster with women than you do with men. Oh, really? So much faster. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> if we can move in with you in the second date. It's like, no, man. yes. No. OK, so I've. Uh, OK, so what, so what are my other questions? Um, But I so I just want to tell you, I chose you yeah. now. I love oh, you. I chose you. Thank from our you. First, from our first podcast together, I was like, "You hand plucked me." He said, "I want I her." Like, yeah, I want. I like. That's I so want sweet. You to be Thank my you. best friend. <laughs> I love that. I'm feeling like I'm just really feeling this. Thank you. That's no, see, choose, we need to I do this you more now. often. I choose this you. This is a beautiful story. A beautiful romantic story. See, this yeah. is my automatic response. I go to jokes and then, but I'm feeling it. I'm we, You know, it. whatever. We we have our coping mechanisms to deal with all the pain that we had as kids. And I, believe me, I have a lot of that too. And I do a lot of like the self-deprecating and the brushing it off and like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, because all humor stems from some sort of pain, right? Yeah. But, it's it's true. I mean, we we did go different directions and again, my friend Seven is like, I admire you because you could just keep putting your heart out there over and over and over again, even though it keeps getting like punched. And I'm like, Yeah, but what other choice is there? And they were like, uh, you could choose to not do that and I was like, No. Like that doesn't that doesn't feel good to me. Right. Like, I would rather just keep offering it up and for people to just be like, ah, reject. And then for me to be like, ow, pain. And then to do it again a few months later and be like, I love you. Here's my heart. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> here's, here's a cake shaped like my heart and it's bleeding. Oh here. my gosh. God, wow. Yeah, so you're like a little scab. A Sylvie the scab. She keeps ripping it off. <laughs> Mm, yum. <laughs> Let me just turn a light on. I did not become prepared for this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there, do. That's better. So have I have a question for you. Have you ever done any psychedelics now? No, but it's on my list. It's on my list. I'd you like to try some psychedelics. I'd like to try some microdosing, actually. Uh, microdosing, yeah. I mean, OCD. microdosing. I honestly think everyone should microdose because it's great. But microdosing is not going to like no, it's not give you the either. kind of feelings that I'm like yeah. talking about. But when you do like a heroic dose of something, um, you know, you 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 feel you feel love in a in a Aww. way that is very pure and is very like the only way I can describe it is like you realize that all there is is love that is all there is like the right. universe is founded on it we are all just i just want to puke made right of love <laughs> <laughs> there's like people watching this youtube video being like puke that's so fun no no i i get it i just hear it all the time and i know it comes from my, an unhealed part within me but i'm just like oh there are other things but there's not it's, yeah you're right it's all based on love 
you're right. I mean, what what actually is the point of life, right? Like, yeah. people have, philosophers have talked about this for years. We're not going to solve it on this podcast. But, like, you know, people have, like, tried to, like, make reason out of life for since we could make reason. And that's why we have religion and all these things that are, like, reason-making things so that we're like, yes, there is a point of life and whatever. Yeah. But, like, I will posit that the point of life is is love and to feel love and to be love and to give love and to receive love, which is really hard for me. Mm. I'm working on that. So that's the thing, right? Like we, like I'm very, very good at like, here, take my heart, like take it, use it. Like, but I'm not good at taking someone else's. I really suck at that. Someone loves me. Oh my God. And see, that's so interesting because I will take it. I'm like, I deserve it. I'm amazing. I, I freak out i freak out if someone loves me i'm like i know what's wow. wrong with you what is wrong with you yeah you're over there like just so desperately wanting to be loved and then as soon as it happens it's a self self-fulfilling prophecy well then i'm just like that person's defective because otherwise they wouldn't love right. me right okay. because anyone who is worthy of love does not love me my god why do people come see us for help? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because because at least we're self-aware. That's, That's true. Why. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Why. No, it's it's true. all about self-awareness. It's not like we actually have answers. We just help people to see uh, things. And ask the questions, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, like, I'm aware of, like, exactly where, what, like, I'm ex- like, I'm like, oh, it's that thing that I do. Or, like, and so when I'm in that moment, I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing. So it does give you a level of actually being able to choose whether or not you want to keep doing the thing yeah. or whether you want to take a step back and be like, I know this is a pattern and I know that I do this and I know that I'm freaking out right now because this is what I always do. Now I have a choice. I can act like I always do or I can realize that this is a pattern and it's running me. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you have more choicefulness around it. Yeah, it's, so it's not it, like, yeah. you know, you suddenly become like this enlightened person and you're never going to make mistakes. Like, of course you do. You just become more self-aware about your choices. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and that is just really the only thing standing between, you know, as kind of elevating the, the consciousness because, yeah, we, we're never going to be perfect. You know, that's impossible. And we're never going to have our relationships figured out. 100% but if you can be aware of what you're bringing to relationship and the baggage and what's what's adding to the triggers like you know I can be someone who can be a little bit vindictive if I feel like someone's really got me all wrong and I've made it a point to be if, if I'm upset and I am being vindictive it's not a nice quality. It's not nice to be on the other side of me sometimes. Not that it happens regularly. It's usually at the end of a relationship. But I will make a point to say, I recognize that I'm being vindictive right now. And it that alone, if, if that alone, if we could all just be like, I recognize this not so good trait that I'm portraying right now, because then we can kind of remove a bit of gaslighting. But also you're bringing, you're bringing responsibility or not responsibility. Um, accountability thank you accountability to your own self by by speaking it out loud because people yeah like we're all who isn't a little bit mean sometimes yeah I but can be people... horribly mean horribly mean and it's anytime you, know, like, you, you deny it yeah 
I think we've all been in situations that we all have red flags. That's what I really loved when I learned Somatica, which is the sex coaching method that, that I'm trained in. And the, there's like a whole module on like, you know, like red flags. And then it's like, and normalizing them. Like we all have them. Like that's why you and I argue. Cause I'm like, there is no such thing as an, like, you know, as a toxic person, we all have toxicity in us. We all do things that are yeah. toxic sometimes with, and certain people bring out the worst in us while other people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just have to learn to recognize, to like try and stay away from the people that make us not our best. But, but like, you know, like whenever, so in Somatica we do this thing where like someone will say like, I've ghosted people before, has anyone else? And then like people put up their hands and like I've said really cruel things to someone in an argument, put up your hand. Wow. I have like, you know, like, used someone's past against them in an argument yeah okay like we've all we have all had our moments where we have displayed toxic behavior right right or we've done things that that we would say to others like oh my god that is such a red flag and we've all done stuff like that we all continue to do stuff like that um because we're human and because that's that and because some people trigger us and when we're triggered we're not our best selves yeah and yeah that's okay so I want to bring but in... when a... we're in love, we are our best selves. Uh-huh. That's what I think. Look at you bringing it back around. <laughs> well, yeah, because when... So when you... Have you... Do you think you've ever been in love? Yeah, yeah. And when you thought you were in love, how did you feel about yourself? Um... It's not really, it's just more of a, like a contentment, a security in, in the fact. Like Did you love yourself more when a, you were in love? I always love myself more. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, when I'm in love, I definitely feel like I'm the best version of me. Like, I'll be like, wow, this Sylvie is like selfless and caring and like nice and will go to such great lengths and like I love this person that Sylvie is when she's in love Hmm. and so I fall in love with myself when I'm in love that is so okay all right that's I've never heard that so I don't I don't have that I really like this though because also it seems that by falling in love so many times for yourself it's really not about other people or fearing that like, like you've had, you know, a near death experience and that, you know, it's about sharing your love with people. It really sounds like your love, your need to love really is about healing and loving yourself because you're saying that you find like you question the reason why someone would love you, but you're trying to, and like, correct me if you think I'm wrong, Um, but you're setting up all these different scenarios to be in love so that you can feel that way about yourself more often, but really it has nothing to do with them. It's you like, that's just who you are. They're a catalyst and they're probably a very lovely catalyst. Like I'm not going to like be like, yes, nobody who I've ever loved matters at all. (laughs) Like of course they do. They're their own wonderful person, their own microcosm of, of wonder and amazement. And, uh, they cause me to be curious and fascinated and, want to like you know ask them all the things and find out all about their childhood and everything else like I want all of that but in all of that I also revel in my own 
curiosity about them and my own feelings of wonder and then I'm like oh aren't I a lovely person being all shiny and happy and lovely because I fall in love with myself a little bit too I really that is so sweet I I don't think that like I guess I want to go back to kind of markers of love because (laughs) for me it's really important that I get to know someone and I really am so interested in people's traumas, especially a partner. And I think like nowadays everyone um, starts having sex so quickly and most people don't know the science behind what happens when you start having sex and specifically those who have vulvas, um, like what happens when you experience an orgasm with someone. And there's, you know, these, these connection points with hormones where you have, you build attachments and that can last for a few months. And so while navigating that and having sex, like it's also important for me to be asking like childhood triggers and core memories from a person. Um, cause I, I also want to be asked that too, but I find that I'm the one asking the questions a lot of the time I might get a, Oh, well, what about you? And that doesn't count. But the partners I've been with are so quick to say, I love you. And they Mm. haven't even done the work to know about who I am. I guess, I guess my need is to feel really truly known because people are so quick, you know, like I think an indicator would be, do you really, I think like finding out, because I was molested. So if someone, if a partner were to find out that I was molested, because that is a conversation I have at some point, and then who the person was, because the person still is roughly in my life, then you can say, I love you. Because then you know the deepest, darkest part of me and you're choosing to show up and be there for me. But I don't think I would believe that someone, when people have told me that they love me, I, and it's been really quickly, I'm just like, this person had this person could possibly not love me because they don't know me. So I I attach love to knowing, a deep knowing. That's I do that too, by the way. You do. And this is why I reject people who tell me they love me. Because I'm like, if you actually did love me, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't. Say like if you actually did know me, you wouldn't. Is is probably it's that's probably my like shadow that comes out there when someone tells me that they love me I'm like no you don't because if you actually knew who I was you would be repulsed and you would leave and the fact that you're saying it just shows that you don't actually know me and that makes me angry and now I reject you right okay so let me ask Um, you how could but when people don't say it I just keep getting to prove how lovable I am oh Okay, but could they not say that and like turn it around and put it back on you because you're loving them and you it you don't care about all of their shit. And they do. They do. And they'll be like, you're just projecting on me. You're just projecting yourself on me. And, you know, I can't say that that's not true. Yeah. I think a lot of love is projection. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, no, I don't project on people. I've never projected. No, of course I have. And of course I project on people. There's actually a really amazing book um, called We by Robert, what is his name? I have it here somewhere. Uh, oh. Robert A. Johnson. Uh, he wrote another one called Owning Your Shadow, which is really good. Okay. Uh, but he wrote a book called We about romantic love. 
And I read that book and I was like, like, wow, like my mind literally just blew up because I was like, yes, that's that's all true for me. Like, that's all true. And it's in the chasing that I find myself and the projecting. And when love is just there and it's presented and it's calm and it's not dramatic and it's not like, like drama filled, it feels deflating to me. And then I'm like, eh, is this really love? I don't know. This person doesn't know me. This person doesn't see me. Right. Uh, so how did you know that you were in love with your husband? Oh, well, so that that's actually really funny because I told him I loved him well before I probably actually felt it. I faked it till I made it. Um, but not just, um, but, <laughs> and we've been together for 21 years, so that's some good faking. Yeah. No, I really, really love him. <laughs> um, but we got together very early. I was 17 when I met him, and I was pretty sure that I was 1,000% gay, um, which I'm not. I am actually pansexual. Uh, but at the time, because because what you repress like comes back to bite you in the ass, and the more you try to repress something, the more it's there. And I was desperately trying to repress my gayness. Mm. Desperately, desperately, desperately. I actually do very much remember being like attracted to boys when I was younger and whatever. And then I went through my teenage years, and I spent so much time trying to reject my attraction to girls that it just like ballooned out of control. Um, and my parents were not okay with me being bisexual and that added to a whole, whole lot of stress and tension and grief and, and I got bullied in an all girls school and that added like Mm. some extra drama to all of that. Um, but when I, when I met my husband, I actually was, um, hang on one second, something's at my window. Um, (laughs) when I, when I met my husband, he was just so calm and loving and accepting. He actually, and my parents had cut me off because they didn't want me to be in the army and they were really mad. They wanted me to go to university oh. and, um, and I wasn't going. And so my husband came in and he stepped into a place in my life where he was everything to me. He was my mom. He was my dad. He was my brother. He was my friend. He was my protector. I literally had no other friends or family in the world at that point because I was alone and he stepped in and filled that void. And I told him, like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm gay. Like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm ever going to feel about you the way that you want me to. And he was like, that's cool. Like, see how that takes you. And if you meet the woman of your dreams, like, let me know. And we'd been together wow. for a while. And he hadn't said, I love you. And I'd said it to him all the time. And he used to do this very annoying thing where he'd say elephant shoe. Like, he'd whisper it really quietly. He'd be like, <laughs> elephant shoe. And I was like, because I'd say I love you and he'd say elephant shoe and I, w- I would get pissed. I was like, can you stop saying that? And he was like, well, is it better to just say that than say nothing? And I was like, no, just say nothing then if you don't want to say I love you. And he was like, I show you how I feel about you. I don't need to say it. And I was like, why don't you just say it? Just say I love you. And he was like, I show you how much I care about you all the time. And that was true. Like, like he would just take care of me in every way that was possible to take care of a person. Um, and then he also has asthma, pretty bad asthma, or he had really bad asthma. It's much better now. But, um, he came home from work one day. He was, he was also a soldier. He came home from, from the base and he'd been crawling around doing some stuff in the dust. And he came to pick me up from the base and he looked gray. Like he was totally gray. And I was like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And he was like, uh, I don't feel well. Like, and I was like, okay, do you want to go to the doctor? And he was like, no. We went home and that whole evening he was just lethargic and acting weird. 
and we went to bed and I, um, I didn't sleep very well. I had like a restless night and I woke up in the middle of the night and for some reason I just switched on the light. Like I was like, I don't know, something, something in me. I was like, I just switched on the light and his lips were all blue and he was barely breathing. Like he was breathing like, <laughs> like he could barely breathe. And I was like, oh my God. And like, I started like shaking him and like hitting him in the face. And like, he opened his eyes and I could see terror in his eyes. Uh, and I called an ambulance straight away. And then I called his dad straight away. Cause his dad, like we lived in like a, a an area where his mom and dad were very close. We lived in this closed community. Um, and then the ambulance called me back and they were like, we can't find your house because none of the houses were numbered. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. His lips were blue. I was giving him like mouth to mouth because I like, I was like, OK, like I knew some basic CPR from the army. So I was like, I will just breathe into his lungs until someone gets here. But then the ambulance called and they were like, we can't find your house. You need to come find us so that we can find you. And I was in my head calculating how long yeah. I could actually leave him without him being brain dead by the time I got back. And and I, I remember taking like this huge lung full of breath and like breathing it into him and being like, like here is my life. Like here's all, my, all the life that I have. I literally breathed every ounce of breath I had in me into him. And then I fucking ran. Like I ran to the gates of that community and I found him and I was like in my pajamas like barefoot my feet were bleeding like I like and I ran all the way I was like hurry the fuck up he's dying like we ran all the way like they followed me all the way back to his house and they like pulp fictioned him with the fucking adrenaline needle to his chest like they 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 put it in and, and his lungs opened like they went <gasps> like you know like I mean and I had never seen that in real life and that was that was like and then his dad showed up and got like and they were like who's going in the ambulance and I was like me and his dad was like me and then I was like oh I guess your dad will go like so his dad got in the ambulance with him and they left and I remember sitting on the bed afterwards and crying and then I then I called my sister at three o'clock in the morning and I'm not super close to my sister so like it was a random thing to do but I, I felt like I had no one else to call I was like that was my person my person is in the ambulance and I have no one else now and I called my sister and I was like, I've just realized I love him. And she was like, uh, you've been together for two years. I really hope that you do. And I was like, wow. no, but you don't understand. Like, I, I love, I love him. And she was like, that's great. Is he going to be okay? Like it's three o'clock in the morning and you're freaking me out. Is he dying? Wow. And I was like, no, I think he is. I was like, but I, I didn't know I loved him until just now. Really? Wow. Like, felt it in my whole body. So that is how I, that's a really long story. I'm sorry for everyone no, on this podcast to like, get over with it. No, it's a great but. story, but I think so that, yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's like the kind of love, the realization. That's like a deep knowing love. That's like a surety. That's the kind of love I'm is talking it? about. I think the, like, I as mean, you mentioned, as you, like when we started this, there are different types of loves, Yeah. you know? So I'm not saying it's all the same type, but that's the kind of love that that I'm I'm will meet when I say I love you. So that's Jesus. So what was it though? What was the issue? I oh, know he had like asthma and like oh, that's he right. was like asthma, he was having right. an asthma attack and he like oh he nearly died from that. But then and you know and then he got back like and I was like I love you and he was like I know you say it all the time. I was like no but I've been saying it like 
flippantly and like I really know now and he was like okay great so does he and say I, like, I love me you too, right? you love me too and he was like yes <laughs> he's like stop trying to like cheapen it by saying it all the time though and I was like I like saying it all the time my my aunt said that yesterday she said she um she finds it that her partners like past partners have found it challenging because when they say I love you to her and and she, this is past like they've already said I love you and shared those moments but she's like, I don't, I don't want to always say I love you back right when the person said I love you because it's, it, that's their moment of, of having that time and being like, I love you and I'm, I'm seeing you for you and, you know, instead of like, love you, love you, which is, there's a time and a place, but it's kind of like a compliment. It's like, yeah, you look really good. Oh, thanks. But you look great too. And it's like, yeah, I know, but this moment is about you. And that's new to me, and I really like it, so I'm going to start trying it. Um, but it doesn't mean – yeah, so it's interesting. Like, for me, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm just the same as you. Like, that's – I like that. Whereas another person is going to say, well, yeah, don't cheapen it. So I guess the 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 results here is that really we don't know. It's just different for I think there's different person. types of love. Yeah. There's different types of love. I, t- I, like, I tell my, my husband now, I'm like, you are not allowed to die before me. Like, you're not allowed to die because I do not, I do not want to have to, like, survive you. Mm. I, I don't. Like, and, you know, I actually grew up in a house where my parents had this really fucking creepy envelope on the fridge that said, in the case of oh. both of our deaths. Yeah. And I remember being like, can you take that off the fridge? Like, I'm trying to make a sandwich, not think about you both dying. Um, and they were like, no, it's really important so that if we both die, you know, we're like all of our financials. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but can you put it somewhere? Like, I'm going to know where it is. It doesn't need yeah, to be in the, yeah. in the fridge. Like, and they were like, nope, it's staying on the fridge. Because, and I was like, why would you both die also? Like, it's not likely. And I remember my mom being like, I would never want to live without your father. And I was like, okay, so you're going to kill yourself after my dad dies. And she was like, I'm just saying, I don't want to live without him. And I remember being like, ew, gross. Like, can you not be super weird and codependent and weird? Like, you have other people to live for, surely. And she would be like, no. And I was like, what about us? Like, we're your kids. And she was like, yeah, and I love you, but not like I love your father. And I feel like I kind of get it now, mom. Like, I do. Like, when you have a person who, like, who is your life partner in every way and who, like, he has been the only person in my whole life who I believe has actually loved me unconditionally. Um, And when you have that, you don't want to have to survive that and go on afterwards. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I do believe that there is that level of love where you're, like... But that's also, like, it's not like every time... Like, you know, our text messages are like, Hello, can you pick this up from the supermarket? Um, Did you do the laundry? Did you put a pink sock in my white laundry? They're not like, oh, my God, I love you. I love you so much. Like, most of our days are filled with us just bickering like an old couple. Yeah. And being really boring. But, like, when I think about it then the love is, like, definitely yeah. there. Yeah, But so, when I'm in, like, a, you know, because we're polyamorous, okay? So, like, mm-hmm. when I'm in an open relationship, when I'm in a new relationship with someone, that feeling is, like, like, right there. Right. Is it the same feeling that I have for my husband? No. 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 And, I, and I get that. Yeah. I get that. Like, everyone's measurements are different. Someone just wrote on our chat, 
Um, okay. I've had partners tell me they loved me, and I said I loved them too, even though I didn't. I was guilted into it. I was gun shy, and my husband said he loved me first. And I resonate with that so much because I've only ever truly loved two people in my life in terms of relate like romantic relationships. Um, whereas like all these other motherfuckers are just saying it really like really quickly. I remember the most recent guy that I was dating, we were making out on the couch and I had just that morning called my friend and said, you know, I really need to make sure he knows like I don't want us to say I love you because it was like a month in we're making on the couch and he's like I love you and 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 he's like whoa okay it's okay he's he's like I can see the panic in your eyes and you don't have to say it back and so I waited like a week and I said it back and I regretted it instantly um he, he listens to this podcast so sorry but it is what it is because there's a lot of there's pressure there's pressure. And so I just want to have like a conversation with people and say, hey, this is my situation. I feel most comfortable if you could just hold it in. Um, <laughs> we, I want to read some of what people said when I asked, how do you know that you're, you're in love? Um, the first one, which is my, my most favorite, is it depends on the context of relationship. Is it another hippie? <laughs> um, I'm not hippie. But I do love everyone. Yeah. Um, times I said it was after introducing to family and can see a future with them. Uh, when it just tries to come out without me thinking about it. I tend to say it, but by accident, then I realized I mean it. Well, that's cute. When I've already gone half a dozen times of almost blurting it out loud. When it feels right. When you know your partner feels the same realizing I would mourn the relationship if it ended instead of just being a little bummed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are different levels of love. 20 years ago when I was 19, my heart just knew. Um, But now here we are 20 years later. I still love him, but it's nothing similar to the simple love of before. I would 1000% agree with that last one. Yeah. Because 14 year old Sylvie wasn't wrong. She loved who she loves <laughs> in her pathetically emo, bad poetry way. Yeah. But did I know that that love was different from the kind of love that I feel for my husband? No, and I didn't know that. I'm, it's impossible to know that with that age context. It's true, it's but something, and we'll need to wrap it up soon, but the one thing that I don't think people really understand uh, is that... Um, the feelings you have in relationship change based on how long you've been together. And a lot of that or some, a lot has to do with chemicals. And <laughs> when we get into relationships, our feel good hormones increase and around two and a half, maybe three ish depends on who you are years into the relationship, your hormones start to revert back to what they were before you met them. And I always tell clients like that's really in my books, when the relationship starts, not that you're, you haven't been, maybe you've been through really intense stuff and during that, those two years, fine. But when, when you don't have those extra chemicals boosting you and helping the relationship and you have to work at creating passion and keeping things going, um, I think that's, you know, you, you experience a different type of love. And I, my Nana and Papa have been together for 55 years. 
And when we've asked her what the secret to staying in a long-term relationship is, she says, just don't fall out of love at the same time because you will fall Mm -hmm. out of love with one another throughout your relationship and you will hold on. And then there will be a moment where you fall back in love with them in a different way. You just don't want to be out of love at the same point. I don't know if maybe do you, do you resonate yeah, with that? Yeah, I totally resonate with that. And I would also add to that, make sure you also like the person that you right. say you have fallen in love with. Yeah. Because sometimes, I've definitely been in situations where I love someone, but I'm not sure I really like them. And yeah. that is a difference. So if you really like the person, then you have a better chance of like sticking it out Right, because like you said, the dopamine and the serotonin is, it's not that it wears off, it's just that we we adapt. It's like drugs, right? Like you get a higher tolerance. Right, hedonic um, adaptation. It, yeah, our brain just adapts. And it's like, oh, this is the level? Okay, like I guess we'll just raise the bar then. Like this is going to be the level now. Yeah. And yeah, and it's it's it basically is that and you're not going to feel the same way. I said that to a client just this morning, so I'm really glad that you brought it up because... He was like, what if I never feel about my wife the same way I did in the beginning of the relationship? And it's like, you won't. Oh, you won't, bud. I hate to disillusion you, but you won't. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, because, because of your brain chemicals. And it's yeah. not her and it's not you. It's just your brain chemicals. But it doesn't mean that you don't love each other. And it doesn't mean that you can't have mind-blowing sex and that you can't have an amazing relationship and that you can't be super happy together. It just means that you're not going to have new relationship energy anymore. You're not going to have that NRE. You're not going to be swimming in chemicals. You're not going to be, like, walking on air. Like, because that, that's chemicals. That's a drug addiction yeah. that isn't actually, like, sustainable. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not love. There are people who are like, that's not love. That's just chemicals. Fuck off. Like, I'll define love however I want. You know, I, mean, I think that yeah. that's love. All emotions and I think are that, chemicals. So, really, it's... Yeah. yeah label it however point. you want. And if you want to label that love, label it love. I hate when people tell teenagers, like, you don't know what love is. It's like, you do know what love is. Like, 14-year-old Sylvie knew what love was. She was just really weird about it. And <laughs> 39-year-old Sylvie knows what love is, but it's also different. And you know yeah. what love is, and that's your definition. And we all know what love is to us and how it feels to us. And we all have our own comfort levels with it. And I think that that's fine. And normalize not having everyone feel love in the same way. And normalize having some people who are super heart forward. And normalize having people who are super, like, reserved because they want to protect their heart. And that is legitimate. Like, it's super legit to want to protect yourself and to not get hurt. And to not, like, have to, like, feel pierced every time. And it's legitimate if you do want that and you want to be a bit of a martyr about it. Legitimate. Everything yeah. is legitimate. It's all a question of what you can tolerate. And if you can't tolerate and if you're struggling and if you're sad beyond belief and you can't concentrate on anything, then call someone. Like us. Yeah. Like, call Nell. Call me. If you if you Call still someone else in our network. We can refer you. Like, if you want to talk to a male sex coach, if you want to talk to a, yeah. like a non-binary sex coach, we can refer you to other people. Yeah. But just don't suffer through it alone because you're not alone and there's people to talk to. Yeah. And you're normal. Yeah. You're normal no matter what. You're you normal. Normally. <laughs> I like that. You're a weirdo just like the rest of us. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much. This is fabulous. I'm really happy we got to do this because holy crap, now, the people coming I love in. You. I love you too. I just wouldn't die you. for you at this moment in the friendship, but I will. <laughs> like if we if we continue the friendship, we'll get there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So as I, long as there's hope. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you so much. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the offload. If you are interested in getting in contact with us, you can do so at, uh, by emailing us at email the offload at gmail.com. And you can find Sylvie. Where can you find her? Cause I said it earlier. You say it now. Yes. So you can find me at sex and sensibility on Instagram with the three for the E in That's sex. That's right. You can find me at Nell the Pleasure Coach. And and like and subscribe. And like and subscribe. Please. We need it to feel love. Yeah. And if you like and subscribe, yeah. we'll love yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. We'll love you. And then you'll be validated. <laughs> and that's all we ever Oh, man. All right. Thanks everyone. so much, everyone. See you next week. Take some deep breaths. Get it off your chest. I'm blessed, stressed, or hashtag. Offload.